0: What's up, everybody, and welcome in on back to the Brews on the Balcony football show. This is our midweek show, and if you haven't listened to our first show for the midweek podcast, certainly go back and listen to it. If you have, we'll be following a similar format for the rest of the season. I am your host, Zach Zook. You'll be hearing from the rest of the panelists, TJ and Big Web, as well as Nick Yale with his waiver wire ad drops for Fantasy. But on this midweek show, we're going to discuss a little bit of the storylines, highlight You know, some of the results from last week's game, since we don't really get a chance to do that on the live show. A couple of topics I wanted to discuss here today is Julio Jones and Matt Ryan's career. You know, we got to thinking when they were playing that game against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football... Has there been a more underrated duo that has been as successful as they've been, survived coaching changes and whatnot, and been doing it for as long as those guys? Pretty underrated group, in my opinion. Then we'll take a look at the quarterback situation for these teams, whether they're getting injured or or whether they're getting benched, they're dropping like flies all over the place. I think we got four or five QB situations have already changed within the first two weeks of the season. Then I wanted to do a little exercise with the 2-0 and teams in the league. Thought it would be fun to go through all the 2-0 and teams and decide who are the contenders of these guys, and then who are the pretenders. Then we'll dive into the Jalen Ramsey contract drama And, you know, his trade request this week, you know, they have the Thursday night game tomorrow, so it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. But first, let's give a shout out to our sponsors, Cafe Telegraph, of course, who hosts us for the live show, fantastic place to take in a football game. Uh, It was my first week at the live show, I had to phone in week one because I was in Arizona and... Man, the venue is incredible. The people are so nice there. The food is top-notch. You guys got to get out to Cafe T. Come hang out with us on Sunday during the live show. We watch the games. I watched the Packers beat the Vikings. Go Pack Go! And it was a great time, man. I had a lot of fun. And then we got Kate Roberts with REMAX Gold. Great real estate agent in the St. Louis area. She is... Flipping houses left and right. She is great. So if you need real estate in the St. Louis area, go ahead and give Kay Roberts with Remax Gold a shout. Then we got STL Distillery who brews some of their vodka with craft beer. It's pretty incredible. I haven't had the pleasure of doing the tasting. I know Nick and TJ have. It's really good stuff. I actually really want to get down there for a weekend sometime, maybe a date idea, and go down there and try some of their stuff. They sound awesome. Family Finance Mortgage is our last sponsor, a great mortgage dealer in our area. So let's get into the podcast right now. Alright, and the first thing I want to talk about, and I won't spend too much time on this, but it kind of just struck me as I was sitting there watching Sunday Night Football. If you didn't watch it, it was a great game between two pretty good teams. Now, I know the Falcons kind of got the doors blown off of them up in Minnesota the week prior, but they bounced back at home, got a big dub against an Eagles team that's probably going to be playoff bound, and they needed it. They avoided the 0-2 start And it was a great play by Matt Ryan too on fourth down, he audibles to a screen pass. And I think it was, was it Jake Matthews, the tackle or the guard comes out there in space and gets the block on one of the secondary players and Julio takes it to the house. I mean, just a gutsy, gutsy call on an audible on fourth down. That's the game winning play. And it got me thinking, you know, we think of Julio Jones and we think of Matt Ryan and we think that they're good players, but I don't think they ever quite get the shine that they deserve, especially in Julio's case. Now, I would never argue for Matt Ryan being the best quarterback in the league. I don't believe that's true. I think he's a little underrated, but Julio Jones is criminally underrated. He has never really been regarded as the best wide receiver in the NFL because a lot of people... I mean, would probably take Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham over him. And then years ago, he was considered the young guy. And there was Megatron and there was Des Bryant. And it it felt like Julio was always in the mix with those guys. But he never really got his shine as being the dude. Like the baddest motherfucker on the planet. And that's exactly what he is. If you think about it, he was the number one rated high school player. Coming out of high school, he was Nick Saban's first really big recruit. Yeah, I mean, you could even go back and say Julio Jones has a hand in what Alabama is today. Because his decision to go to Alabama likely shifted the landscape in college football for years and years to come. And we're still seeing it. And then he goes to Alabama and he just crushes it. Becomes, I think he was the sixth overall pick in the draft in a historic historic draft that included a ton of star-studded names. Go look it up on Wikipedia. I'm serious. It's unbelievable how many stars were in this draft class. He was the sixth pick in that draft. And ever since he's gotten to Atlanta, all he's done is kick ass and take names. And Matt Ryan, too. And I just don't think that they've ever quite gotten the recognition that they deserved. They survived the head coaching switch from Mike Smith to Dan Quinn. Had success under Mike Smith. Had a ton of success under Dan Quinn. Got to the Super Bowl because of the choke job in the Super Bowl. Now here's kind of my theory. I think that because of the way the Falcons blew that Super Bowl, the 28 to 3, everybody makes the jokes. But had they won that ring, the Super Bowl is just such a big deal. Yeah, that guy's a Super Bowl champion. He is a Super Bowl champion. Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> he's not elite, but he's a Super Bowl champion. We talk about Eli Manning now that his career is kind of coming to an end. Is he a Hall of Famer? You know, it sounds kind of crazy, right? Because he's he's really been an average quarterback. If you go look at his look at his stats throughout the years, even in his peak, never really a top 10 guy, never really on top of the game, was never really the best at his position while he was in the prime of his career. But guess what? He had two rings, and he beat the Patriots at the height of the Belichick era. So people got to at least consider it. And I think had the Falcons been able to hang on to that Super Bowl and win it, I think you'd think about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones a little bit differently than you do today. Because ultimately, I think a lot of people, when they think about the Falcons, and when they think about Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and... You know, some of the other stars that have come through those doors over the past couple of seasons, five, ten years, whatever, they think it's the team that just, they come up a little bit short. They're inconsistent. And when you think about what they've overcome in Atlanta, a franchise that really hasn't ever been much before the 2000s, really before Mike Vick, what they've been able to accomplish there has really been pretty impressive. And I don't think they get their due. And and I think that in the hot take world of sports, a lot of it's slamming guys. And we're going to kind of get into it with Jalen Ramsey. And I just wanted, that was more of a positive, positive take that I had watching that game. And I was like, you know what? I think it would be nice to kind of shed some light on really how good these guys are. How good they've been and how elite. They have been to, you know, overcome all the coordinator changes with Sarkeesian. And now they have three new coordinators. Dan Quinn fired them all. Now they got a whole nother offense with Dirk Cutter. Survived a head coaching change. I just think it's been really impressive what they've been able to do with the Dirty Birds. All right, nobody really wants to talk about it, but we have to. We got a quarterback injury problem again in the NFL, boys. I remember this conversation a couple years ago and what it led to, all these rule changes, the body weight rule, which to this day, to me, is one of the stupidest fucking rules to ever be implemented in sports history. Well, it hasn't helped much because guess what? They're dropping like flies again Nick Foles went down in week one, broke the clavicle. Body weight was not called there. And I remember thinking in Arizona, we were watching it outside the stadium. They had this really cool kind of pavilion thing with, uh, because it's like 110 degrees out there with some, you know, fans and mist and a big screen where you could watch all the games at. And I remember watching him take that hit and kind of get, you know, hobble off the field. Immediately you could tell he broke his collarbone. And, you know, that wasn't called. So the inconsistency of that rule, too, is just bizarre to me. But so Nick Foles goes down. You get Gardner Minshew in the Gardner Snake. That's his nickname now. And that guy, I don't know if you guys have heard the stories that have come out about him, but he sounds like my spirit animal. I fucking love Gardner Minshew. Now, I actually had heard of him before this because of the whole uh, Washington State With Mike Leach, they were really damn good in the Pac-12. His last year there, uh, just a season ago, and Gardner Minshew had everybody wearing the mustaches, and he was handing out mustache rides every Saturday, man. It was really cool. And to see him translate it to the NFL, and he's actually looked decent. I think the Jags really might have something long-term in Gardner Minshew. And I know that sounds crazy to say, and, and I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself, right? Like, he's played... A game and a half, so we, we have no idea what he is, but just to the fact that he's having a little bit of success, I mean, nearly engineered that game-winning comeback drive against the Texans, to, if Fournette stumbles into the end zone on that two-point conversion, you know, we're, we're talking about Gardner Minshew, he is a headline, man, goes into... Uh, was it was an NRG stadium down there in Houston and beats the Texans, man, that would be a story, huh? It just goes to show then how different narratives are just based on the outcome of the game alone, let alone what happens during the game that may not have ultimately affected or couldn't have changed the outcome all the way. So you got Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville, then... This weekend, you had them all go down. Uh, Cam Newton, it sounds like he's a a little bit banged up. Uh, I don't think that was any surprise to anybody who watched the Thursday night game. But then you had the two big ones. You had Big Ben. Now, he's having season-ending elbow surgery. I heard it was not UCL. It's not Tommy John. They're doing something different. I think it's a very similar injury, but the surgery he's having is not Tommy John. Is the information I was told about that. Uh, so he's done for the year. You're going to get to see Mason Rudolph uh, out of Oklahoma State, and that'll be really interesting because he and James Washington were teammates under Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, so now they'll be playing together. The development of those two over the course of this fall will be really interesting to see. And, and Mason looked pretty good when he got his chance. So, uh, you know, everybody th- says that... It's bad for the league and everything, and it 100% is. When you have Big Ben and Drew Brees and Cam Newton and Nick Foles, and in 2017 it was Rodgers and it was, I think, Bradford, and, you know, that's not good for the league. I'm not saying that. But it's for me anyways, it's almost just as interesting to see some of these young guys get a chance in real NFL action to sink or swim and uh, her her brooks in the movie miracle right great Great moments are born from great opportunities, is how he starts that speech off. And that's what those guys finally have earned, and not all of them get it. I mean, this is this is pro sports, man. This is big boy football. Sometimes you'll get drafted as a fourth, fifth rounder, and you'll never get a chance to see the field. You'll sit on a practice squad. You'll be a third stringer for three years. They'll cut you. See you. Have fun bagging groceries at Walmart. Hope you got your degree. It, you're not entitled to anything. And so I think it's kind of fun when these guys get their chance to succeed. Uh, talking about the Drew Brees injury a little bit more in depth, it's the thumb on his throwing hand. You know, I was working uh, for PFF during that game. I had it on in the background and had seen that he had gotten hurt and had seen him on the sideline. Didn't really see the play. Now, I'll tell you from my 12 years of playing football, I injured my thumbs probably more than any part, single part of my body. Uh, as a defensive player, I jammed them and sprained them more times than I can count. And I am not sure. I think he has, obviously, something more serious going on. He's going to miss four to six weeks. And I, did he fracture or break it? I apologize for not knowing. Anyways, it, it's it's obviously unfortunate that it happened to his throwing arm, because I think if it happens on his offhand, I don't think he misses any time, because that offhand can really, it's really just used for support at the quarterback position anyways, now he's going to be more at risk to fumble, but it's just bad luck that it happens to the throwing hand, because I mean, even if he had just sprained it, I remember how, how fat my thumb swelled up, you could tape it, you could play through it, you could try as hard as you could, but I mean, the thing is just so fat, you have limited mobility on the entire hand, and the ball, I'm sure, especially at his level, it just ain't going to look right coming out the hand, so really unfortunate tough break for the Saints, but again, it goes to show the foresight of Sean Payton, he thought ahead, planned for this, he's 39 years old, Drew Brees is, last year, he's 40 this year, and at the time he was 39 when they made that trade, they got Teddy Bridgewater. A capable backup. So for the Saints, you know, it, it looked like kind of man overboard because then they got it, they really got beat handedly after he was out by the Rams. But that's an away game. You know, it's demoralizing for the entire team, offense and defense alike, when your star quarterback goes out with an injury. I, I would not, you know, poo poo the season yet for New Orleans. I'll just say that. You know, I don't, and I don't know if they're going to be division winners anymore. You know, Teddy didn't look all that great, but. I don't think you can really judge a backup off of that. You got to give him a week to prepare. He's got to know he's the starter going in. So I uh, let let's see how he does this week. But all of a sudden, as inconsistent as the Falcons are, they could be front runners in that division with as bad as the Panthers are. I mean, is is it crazy to think that Bruce Arians and the Bucs could be in the mix for the division if the Saints just totally crap out, the Falcons just, you know, lose weird games here and there? You know, it feels like they'll be up and down because they are inconsistent with all the new systems. I think that's going to be a growing process, especially first half of the season. Carolina is the definition of inconsistent. They're really not a great football team right now as it stands with with Cam and the quarterback situation. So (laughs) Bruce, who's a proven winner in this league with the Arizona Cardinals of all franchises who really have been unsuccessful, goes to Tampa. They get a big road win in the division. They're one and one. Is it crazy to think that they could pull a couple of these division games out and maybe if the division sucks, sneak into the playoffs at nine and seven? I mean, who would have thunk it even a week ago that that would have been possible I, again still wouldn't go to Vegas and bet that but uh an, an interesting an interesting theory at least to be sure so in addition to the injuries we have the whole Eli Manning benching saga up in New York uh man have the Maras really kind of shown that they're running a sneaky dysfunctional franchise with the with the football Giants up there I mean Pat Shermer. It is totally, you know, foot in mouth. Like, they run him. And finally, they pull the plug on Manning. They're gonna, you're going to start Daniel Jones. And now, w- what becomes of Manning and his career? Because it'll be really interesting to see how the rest of this year plays out with the quarterback injuries. You know, do, do you try and trade him? Does Eli try and go be a starter somewhere else? He's been with the Giants his whole career. Does he try to do, you know, a Joe Montana on the Chiefs thing? Or does he just be the backup on the Giants, retire after this season, and call it a career? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I don't think we've heard the end of this story yet. I really don't. All right, let's get into some of these 2-0 contenders versus pretenders. We'll start in the AFC and we'll work our way from the AFC East down. We got two... 2-0 2-0 teams in the AFC East, the Patriots and the Bills. And we'll start with the Pats, obvious contenders. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have it rolling again. As long as Tom Brady can avoid the QB injury bug that's going around, they're going to be fine. He is such an outlier with the TB12 method, the whole elongation of the muscles, the the kale and the Uggs. He's got it going on, man. And just the hoodie. You know, he only gets better with time and age, it seems like. New England Patriots, number one in points four through the first two weeks of the season. Number one in points against first two weeks of the season. They've scored 76 points. They have given up just three. And, oh, I beg your pardon there, number two in points four on offense. Deeply apologize. The Ravens scored 82. So... I mean the Patriots are rolling again. They're gonna get to play Miami again. They get to play the Bills and the Jets twice a year. I mean, that's just the most lock like twelve and four team you I mean you could you could ever think of. I mean, it's just crazy how they do it year in and year out and make it look so easy because it's really not. Enjoy it because we're on the we're on the back nine here. It's gonna this is the greatest sports dynasty that the world has ever seen. And it's going to be gone here in, in, in you know, probably sooner than you think. They always do. Uh, then you got the Bills at 2-0. The Bills got down 16 points to the Jets in Week 1, scored 17 unanswered to win that football game. And then they went back to MetLife Stadium again uh, this past weekend, and they uh, shit-pumped the New York Giants. So what's interesting is the Bills are 2-0, and they have more wins at MetLife Stadium than the Jets and the Giants combined. How about that? And they are like, I've noticed this the last couple of weeks, they're like the, the Chicago White Sox of the NFL. Like, it feels like pe- people just kind of forget about Buffalo. You know, Adam Schefter's like, New York's two starting quarterbacks are now Luke Falk and Daniel Jones. Uh well, uh, technically New York's only starting quarterback is Josh Allen because those two franchises play in fucking New Jersey. Like it's ridiculous. The the Bills just get forgot about. You know you you got a feel for Bills Mafia at a certain point. That's a great fan base up there, and and I'm sure that they they let people hear about it if you forget about them. Uh, so. They're off to a hot start with Josh Allen, and you know, it felt like there was going to be, between the Bills and the Jets, one of those two teams was going to have a pretty good year, and can like be in the mix, you know, when they show the little graphic, be in the hunt for a playoff spot this season. The Bills were in the postseason a couple years ago with Tyrod Taylor, and they have a pretty good roster, especially on defense. Now... With Sam Darnold getting Mono, that pretty much tanks the Jets' season. So, the Bills, I think, are locked to finish worst place second in that division. I mean, the Dolphins are going to be absolute dog shit. That's like two free wins right there for Buffalo. And they're going to be able to kick the living shit out of the Jets. I mean, they beat him with Sam Darnold. Darnold's going to miss, you know, a month or so with Mono. They're going to—I mean, their season's already down the tube, so— I, I think Buffalo, sneaky team to go like 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 9-7. and seven. I, I, I got to say, though, ultimately, I think they're pretenders. I don't think they're on the same level as some of these other 2-0 and o teams. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't know. It, it really depends on how, how good the AFC is this year. Because if the AFC is really thin, then maybe they can sneak into a wild-card spot. And the AFC is top-heavy. But you know, I don't know if they're gonna be that top heavy. We go down to the AFC North. You got the Baltimore Ravens at two and zero. Couple of nice wins for them. Absolutely killed the Miami Dolphins in week one. And you know, we knew Miami was gonna be bad, but Baltimore showed us, you know, just how bad it is down there in Florida for those guys. And Lamar Jackson looks like the real deal. You know, I I'm I'm not a believer. Never have been. Still am very, very skeptical, but I'm not rooting against the guy. I'm not rooting for him to fail. You know, I hope he proves me wrong and becomes a damn good quarterback. I was definitely not one of those that thought he should play a different position. I thought he should get his shot at quarterback. I just wouldn't have taken him in the first round with a 10-foot pole. But it's clear that he worked all offseason very hard to improve at his pocket passing and his accuracy, and it showed in the first two weeks of the season. Now, I think schedule has dictated a lot of that. You know, we saw just how bad the Dolphins were again in Week 2 against the Patriots. We're going to see it again in Week 3 against the Cowboys. You know, that is like a JV football team. You know the arguments Alabama, could they beat you know, the worst NFL team, I've always shat on that argument, think it's stupid. You know, it it might actually be true this year. Like, that's how bad Miami is. So, like, like, I'm going to wait and see on Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to jump off my take that I think he's not a very good quarterback. You looked in the box score, 16 rush attempts. You're just not going to make a consistent living in the NFL doing that. I mean, ask Cam Newton how that's going. So, uh, I, that being said, with the injury to Big Ben, I do think the Ravens are legit contenders and now front runners to win that division in the AFC North. Then we get to the Chiefs, the last 2-0 and team in that division. Obviously, they're contenders. It's really, honestly, a two-horse race in the AFC between the Pats and the Chiefs. If a team not named the New England Patriots or the Kansas City Chiefs goes to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, I'll be incredibly shocked. We move over to the NFC now. You got the 2 and 0 Cowboys leading that division with the Eagles 1 and 1 nipping at their heels. The Eagles will get a home game, I believe, against the Lions coming up uh, this weekend. So, I mean, you got to think they'll be 2 and 1 after that, but the Cowboys get Miami, so it's basically they're they're getting their second bye. Uh, <laughs> they'll most likely move to 3 and 0. Cowboys are contenders, man. Again, similar to the Lamar Jackson situation, I don't buy all the hype with Dak Prescott. You know, he's completing balls and zipping it around. Uh, he was the first quarterback in Dallas Cowboys franchise history, I think, to throw seven touchdown passes in uh, two games. I don't even think Troy Aikman did it or uh, Staubach did it. So that was a kind of a crazy stat that they threw out there, which also kind of like, that's kind of wild that they never really did that. Or maybe he was in elite company with them. Uh, but, uh Regardless, Dak's had a great first couple of games. Again, I think it's a long NFL season. We have had a couple of seasons to judge Dak on now. And in the preseason, I was high on him. You know, I don't know if he's worth what he's going to end up commanding. You know, in the market, being being, you know a quarterback that's the highest paid position in the league and a darn good one that has a resume with several division titles on it already as a mid-round pick so it's not like this guy's already gotten broken off like some of these top 10 first round draft picks at the position you know he hasn't made you know a lot of that money in the NFL yet he has from endorsement deals and such with the Campbell's soup and everything like that but he hasn't really been broken off salary wise and so I think he's going to want his money do I think he's worth it I don't know, but... On the field, it's very clear that whatever they're doing is working. Now, I know they lost Michael Gallup, but I think the Cowboys are legit contenders. I think that division is going to be a fun, fun two-horse race between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think it'll be back and forth all season long. Those are two damn good football teams, and I think they'll both end up making the playoffs regardless of who wins the division. I, you know, Really, I think that division title is going to end up being pretty meaningless because uh, whoever goes farther in the playoffs is going to be the one that is deemed, as having the better season, so we go to the NFC North. The Packers, shockingly, my Packers are two and zero, and I think you gotta say that they're contenders at this point. I know, haha, Homer pick, but I picked against them in Week One against the Bears. I picked against them against the Minnesota Vikings, and they came out with wins. You know, I'm still skeptical about Matt Lafleur. That's ultimately why I picked against them in the first couple weeks of the season. But it's pretty clear that that defense is legit. They spent. Two more first-round draft picks on that defense. Rashawn Gary, who I was skeptical about, they took pretty high. Then Darnell Savage, who I loved out of Maryland to play safety in the 20s, looks like a damn good player. Uh, we'll see how Gary looks. He's not really playing a whole lot right now. He's blocked by the free agent additions of Cedarius Smith from the Ravens, Preston Smith from the Redskins. Uh, they kind of got the edge on lockdown right now, and then they have Dean Lowry playing the defensive end in that 3-4. So, He's kind of blocked right now, but that said, he was an, a huge underachiever at Michigan, which is my favorite school. And I, again, I wouldn't have taken him. That it's kind of really neither here nor there. The Packers are two and zero. They've beaten two division opponents. They're two and zero in the division already. As it stands here, September eighteenth at eight thirty when I'm recording this, they're two and zero in the division. I mean, what an advantage to be two games up in the division already in the season you know I when you looked at the schedule right up front you thought you know it's pretty feasible that the Packers will be two and three maybe even one and four you know the first five games of the season they have really tough opponents they'll have a bunch of new pieces on defense with those draft picks they're pretty young they're gonna have to gel they have a new head coach you know this could take some time to put together you know I wasn't the most optimistic about them but they, they've been winning somewhat ugly, but they've won. And they've beaten two good-ass football teams in the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Packers are contenders. Don't know if they'll win the division, but with the 2-0 and head start that they have in the division, I would consider them favorites at this point. And if not, I would consider them big-time wildcard guys if the Vikings or the Bears go on a tear and rip the division from them. You don't have any 2-0 teams in the NFC South, so let's move to the NFC West. You have the Rams at 2-0, you have the 49ers at 2-0, and you have the Seahawks at 2-0. Obviously, the Rams are legit. They're contenders. 49ers at 2-0, I don't think they're legit. I think they're pretenders. I think that they're inconsistent. Their two wins were against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road and at the Cincinnati Bengals. Two road wins, impressive. Very impressive that you're able to get two wins back-to-back on the road to start the year, but I don't think home field advantage matters as much in September, especially up in these northern cities as it does in November-December. I think they also play two pretty shitty football teams, and they almost got beat by Tampa Bay until they kind of put put the foot on the gas there in the second half. Real impressive win at Cincinnati. I picked against them. I thought they'd lose that game with the way Cincinnati looked against the Seahawks, but ultimately... Yeah, I mean, until I see more consistency from the 49ers, I still think they're going to finish third in that division. The last 2-0 and team is the Seahawks. I think they're going to end up competing for the division title with the Rams. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised to see him win it. Russell Wilson is just something else. Everybody shit on DK Metcalf. He was one of my favorite players coming out out of Ole Miss this past season. He ran an awful three-cone drill it was like the time of Tom Brady's or some shit like that but just just flip on the games man people get so caught up in the combine it's pretty clear the guy is a physical freak of nature and a damn good receiver and he's shown that through the first couple weeks this season they needed to replace Doug Baldwin who retired they still have Tyler Lockett they had the number one ground attack in the league in 2018 with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, and they're back on their bullshit again this year, man. That's a damn good team with a really good defense, a fantastic head coach, a great home field advantage, and a GM that knows what the fuck he's doing. I wouldn't bet against the Seahawks one bit. So those are your 2-0 and o NFL contenders or pretenders. All right, really quick, let's hit on this Jalen Ramsey stuff. He officially requested a trade after getting into a little bit of an altercation with Doug Marone on the sideline. The trouble of it is they have a Thursday night game. So they're not going to be able to trade him. He's going to play in the game tomorrow night when they head on the road to Nashville and take on the Tennessee Titans on Thursday Night Football. It'll be heavily covered by the broadcast. It'll be a story. It'll be all over the internet and social media and Twitter tomorrow. And here's, here's kind of my takeaway from it. 100% would not touch if I am the other 31 GMs in the league. This guy has been a problem now for a year or two. Remember the comments in the media, like Josh Allen's trash, man. Josh Allen's trash, man. And then they are asking about other other QBs. Which, like, at first, I kind of admired the fact, like, that he was at least real about it. Like, yeah, you know what? He 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 kind of does stink. Like, he had like a terrible completion percentage at Wyoming in the Mountain West Conference. You know, he's probably not going to be very good. He probably does stink compared to the rest of the NFL, NFL quarterbacks. But then he, you know, he he starts getting out of hand. You know, Tom Brady's not that good. Aaron Rodgers not that good. Just listing all the NFL quarterbacks. Joe Flacco, he fucking sucks. And then they, I like how they asked him about. Uh, then they they're like, well, so what do you think about Blake Bortles, who's like one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league last season? He's like, oh. He's, Blake's good, man. Blake's all right. Yeah, <laughs> all right. And so that kind of turned me off for him last year. It just – Red flagged it a little bit, like, watch out for this guy. Like, he he might cause problems in the future. You know, at a Florida State, there were – you know, he just was one of those attitude guys. It's And it's not like he's a bad person or anything like that. He was just one of those guys that you flagged as – he could end up being a problem. Then he shows up to uh, to training camp in the Brinks truck. He reluctantly showed up to training camp. He wanted a contract extension before camp and he didn't get one. So he shows up in the Brinks truck w- truck with the, like the loudspeaker. He has some guy in his crew get out talking about we're going to get the bag this year, get the bag. And so he makes it not two games before getting an altercation on the sideline with his head coach. Now, I heard that the Jacksonville Jaguars want two first-round picks for him. 100%, I'll say this again, would not fucking touch. I said this when they were having the extension talks before the season on social media. I said, I wouldn't extend him. I would not extend him. These expensive corners rarely work out. The landscape for the best cover corner changes so quickly. It is a young man's position. You think about Richard Sherman was on top of the world, what, 40 years ago? He The guy's a shell of himself, and he's playing on the 49ers now. What about Josh Norman, too? Remember him on the Carolina Panthers? Redskins gave him a fat contract. How's that worked out lately? Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints looked like an absolute badass his first season. Since then, he's really been a dud. I mean, if you go look at the grades, you go watch the games, he has not had a good start to this season, was not nearly as good in his second year. It's a hard position, and it changes rapidly. I would not extend him based on that fact alone. I'm not going to pay him... Life changing money at a position that changes so fast, and, and it's not because of his talent, it's not because of that, because he's absolutely a top flight corner. But you couple that with the fact that he's kind of been a problem, I wouldn't do it. I'd play it out. Like, Jalen, you're in what your third year of the contract, you have another, and then I have a uh a fifth-year option on you, like, sorry, dude, you're playing it out. And then I might franchise you t- a year, and then we'll see. Y- you know, it- it's kind of crazy to me how quickly these guys are demanding new contracts that really haven't been in the league that long. And Zeke was, in the- was drafted in the same draft class as Jalen Ramsey, and he just got his extension holding out. And, you know, I bet you on the low, that's a little bit of where Jalen Ramsey is was coming from. He's saying, hey, other guys in my draft class are already getting broken off for extensions, and I'm just as good as they are. So from the standpoint of, you know, go get your money, I always root for guys getting paid. I just 100% would not touch him, and here's kind of how I think this thing's going to play out. So he gets in the altercation with Doug Marone, who by all accounts, I think is a pretty good coach and a pretty good guy, and... I think that they obviously have to prepare for this game. I think the Thursday night game could be the best thing that has happened to the Jaguars in this situation. Because he's going to play the Thursday game. If it goes well, if it goes well, they might not trade him. Because it'll kind of be swept under the rug. You always operate it under the 24-hour rule in football. Because the game is so emotional and so heated that in the heat of the moment, you say and do a lot of shit you don't mean. And everybody needs a day or two to kind of cool off from the game, use the weekend to kind of recoup, and then hit it fresh. I bet you the relationship in the building has steadily improved as the week has gone on. That would be my guess. I think there's a better than 50% chance he doesn't get moved at all. Now, people are saying that the target date for him to get moved would be Friday, because that would be after the game. Then he would then have an extended week to prepare, about 10 days to prepare with his new team for the upcoming game. But I tell you what, my just the way I see it, I think if if things go well for Jacksonville, no, it could go the other way, it could spiral out of control and just get way worse. Then you have like an Antonio Brown situation on your hands, Oakland Raiders style, and you're not going to be able to get him out of the building fast enough. But if they have a good game, let's say they go into Tennessee and win tomorrow night. I think a lot of this will just, it's, there's a good possibility that this is just forgotten about. Hey, you know, heat of the moment. Let's move on. This is a damn good defense, top five defense last couple years. You're, you're a big part of that, Jalen. We want you here. We drafted you here. We want you here long term. You know, Duval, let's do it. Let's just not get in any more fights on the sideline with the head coach. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure, but I think there's a good possibility he stays. Alright, we're to the fantasy advice and the picks of the week with Nick, TJ, and Big Web. You know, I paused between all of the segments last week to kind of give feedback on uh, their picks, and I think that was kind of dumb. Uh, I'm just going to play them all back-to-back, and then uh, I'll give kind of my my comments and takeaways from Nick's waiver wire pickup, and then my thoughts on the Thursday night game, and we'll get you out of here ready for the weekend and another NFL Sunday, baby.
1: What's going on, gentlemen? Your king has returned. Nick Yale here, king of week one and reigning king for week two. Sorry, Zook. You came close to beating me, but alas, my Cleveland Brownies got the job done. My lock of the week, 2-0 on Monday Night Football. So it's good to be king. Before I jump into the uh, my pick for the Thursday night game, I'm going to give you a little fantasy advice for anybody out there that needs some. Uh Maybe you had a tough week. Maybe your quarterback went down. So many quarterbacks just bit the bullet. Drew Brees out with a hand injury. Ben Roethlisberger done for the year. Cam Newton looks like shit. So if you're looking for a quarterback, let's jump to the waiver wire. Check out what we have available. This is going based on my league. Depending on your league, these guys may or may not be available. But in week three of the NFL, I like Matt Stafford in Philly, at Philly, now Philly's offense is pretty good, but their pass defense ranked 25th in the league. Look for Matt Stafford to have a uh, a better game than he's had. He he's shown some flashes of of quality play, but but overall he's had uh, he's had five touchdowns, two interceptions last week against the Chargers, and so week three I'm I'm looking for him to bounce back and maybe find my guy T.J. Hawkinson, friend of the show, uh, for a couple touchdowns. So Matt Stafford. Week three, if you're looking for a free agent QB, you could also reach and take a shot at Jameis Winston, who's at home against the Giants. Their pass defense ranked 30th in the league. Now, Jameis has struggled a little bit off and on the first couple of weeks here. Didn't have, Hasn't had a great week one or week two, but he could rebound here in week three. He has some great targets, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard at tight end. So Jameis, if you want to reach, you could because he's facing a bad pass defense. But I also like Matt Stafford. As far as uh, non-QBs, I like Jared Cook this week. I mean, he was just dropped in my league, and I, and I picked him up on the waiver wire because I need a tight end bad. But Jared Cook was one of Breeze's favorite targets. You know, he, he likes to go to the tight end a lot. and And even with him out, Bridgewater in, they're facing a, uh, a Seattle team that doesn't have a great secondary, and so Jared Cook could get some targets here in week three. Also, Emmanuel Sanders, underrated this year, in my opinion. He, he is a wide receiver one in my league, um, but didn't have a great year last year, and now uh, that last week he had a, a very solid week. Two weeks in a row now he's, he's put up a touchdown, and uh, games of 86 yards and 98 yards, just under 100 last week against Chicago, one of the better defenses in the league. So if you're looking for a wide receiver, try to find Emmanuel Sanders if he's available. Jared Cook, though, if you need a tight end, maybe he was dropped in in your league. And uh, as tight ends thin out, look for Jared Cook. But my guy, TJ Hawkinson, always a great pickup. Now, as far as the actual game goes, uh, Thursday night football, we have uh, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars facing the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville in this game. Jalen Ramsey sounds like he is going to play. Gardner Minshew, you know, he he showed some fla- nice flashes of uh of, of promise here in the after taking over for big dick Nick Foles. So uh, I'm going to go with Jacksonville in week three, uh, Thursday night football over Tennessee. Tennessee, his offense has been pretty good. Uh, Derrick Henry's been solid, and uh, the the wideouts have been okay. So you know, it's going to be a, a Tough matchup, more of a pick in my opinion. But I'm going with my guys, the Jacksonville Jaguars, jump on the Jag wagon with Gardner Minshew in week three.
2: What's up, Zook? What's up, guys? Thursday night pick. Again, go to last week. I mean, unbelievable pick by me. Thursday night football, Bucks, Panthers. Knew that the Bucks were gonna come to play. I didn't know Cam was going to be this wishy-washy as he has been. I mean, honestly, it's been rough for him. His shoulder injury must be hurting a lot uh, because he does not look good. So, um, yeah, so Tampa, great pick by me, of course. Moving to this week, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Titans are giving the Jags one and a half. I'm going to take Jacksonville in this one. I know what people are thinking. Okay, you're taking a guy that's a backup quarterback. Nick Foles is out. He's out for the year. You know, if you said that after week one, with Foles going down, with the way Tennessee played against Cleveland, I would have absolutely taken Tennessee in this one. However, that's why you don't take week one as everything. You don't even take week two as everything. But we only have two weeks to look at with these teams, and this is where I'm going to go with it. The Titans, after a huge win against Cleveland, a lot of points scored in that game for the Tennessee Titans. They lose to Indy last week, 19-17. An Indy team that obviously a lot of people were super down on them when Luck left and retired, but they still are playing a little better than we thought. Regardless, Tennessee didn't score that much. Um, you know that that shows me right there they're going to be the back and forth team they've always been. Not great, not terrible, just like right in the middle and and boring in my opinion. Um, So for that reason, you know, I think that going to Jacksonville, it's always tough to play. Uh, I think it's going to be a game that the Jacksonville defense will step up. That's like the only thing they really have left right now with Nick Foles out. Um, So we'll see. I mean, again, Jacksonville last week, Tough loss, but they did lose to Houston, which to me and to a lot of people, they could be, you know, a big time contender in the playoffs and possibly, if they stay healthy, even a Super Bowl contender. I, I might have just said that. Um, and they only lost by one point 13 to 12, low scoring game. Defense showed up and it was on the road in Houston. So. Uh, I think Houston's I think uh, Jacksonville's defense is going to show up enough at home the only question is the distraction of Jalen Ramsey requesting a trade however if some people might think it might be a bad distraction I think it's a distraction that in my opinion Ramsey is gonna let kind of roll off his shoulders or on the other side he's gonna think about it too much to the point that And I say too much actually in a good way where he's going to want to perform like lights out because he wants to show other teams like what a hot commodity he could be and get traded pretty quickly if he's still being a a nuisance in the uh, locker room for the Jaguars and everything. So I think he's going to play even harder, even for a team he doesn't want to be on anymore. And, uh, you know, the other big thing too was Jacksonville's backup quarterback, I believe his last name is Minshew. He was over 200 yards, had a touchdown, no interceptions. Did enough to move the football. And to me, again, in Jacksonville, it's just going to be tough for Tennessee. I just don't love their team. Um, could be wrong. Again, they're so back and forth in this. I don't love this game. If I didn't have to pick it, I would uh, stay away from it and wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But it is Thursday night here in the midweek special. We have to pick it. So I'm going to take Jacksonville because of those reasons I discussed. The defense, backup quarterback showing enough. Being in Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey I think will be extra pumped up trying to get uh, some teams interested in him more and more from him requesting a trade. Hopefully it doesn't go against me and it's not a distraction. So I'm going to take Jacksonville plus one and a half. Give me the points. Give me the Jags on Thursday Night Football. Peace.
3: What's happening, Mr. Zuck? T-Webb here. Hey, buddy. I just want to give you a little prognostication on tomorrow night's game. But before I do, I just want to thank you for everything you do for us in the middle of the week and all the efforts you put in. Really makes for a nice uh, presentation and uh, appreciate all your efforts. Hey, Zach, uh, for Thursday night's game, you know, we got the Titans at the Jags. Jags are getting one and a half. They both came off some tough opponents last week. Titans played Indy. And Jags played the Texans, both of them, who I think are really good football teams, Indy and the Texans. Let's talk about the Jags first real quick. Last week, they gave up 5.2 yards per carry to Duke Johnson and 4.5 to Carlos Hyde. So I think uh, they're going to be stacking that line this week to try to make Mariota beat them over the top. Uh, The Titans, they played Indy. Indy, I think, is a good football team. We need to go back to week one, though. They beat the hell out of Cleveland, who is a good team on paper. Uh, They haven't showed everything to us yet. I think they showed us a little less than what we thought, but I'll still consider those guys a a 500 or better football team. The Titans are going to give the Jags a big dose of Derrick Henry, and I think he's going to be able to to do his part. Uh, I do think Mariota is going to go over the top. He does have better weapons this year in the past. So give me the, give me the Titans, give me the Titans to cover that one and a half. I appreciate your efforts again, sir. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday and go Titans.
0: Well, all right. Nick going with TJ Hawkinson as the pickup of the week. Uh, Was not targeted very much in week two. I saw that Jesse James actually got a lot more playing time in that game than he did uh, a week ago in Arizona. I wonder how much that was a strategic move by Patricia to heavily feature him in week one to kind of validate the pick in a way. uh, Because... Lions fans Shat down the organization's throat so bad When Eric Ebron didn't pan out But uh, clearly Kid's a stud, friend of the program uh, I, I I, like it Week 3 they're going to Philly I think it's going to be a tough game for them uh, I know Nick's big on Stafford And that connection And they certainly will move the ball They got some offensive pieces But ultimately I think a pissed-off Philly team losing in the waning moments on Sunday night football against Atlanta. is going to come out and roll uh, out in Philadelphia against the Lions. But as far as the picks go, Nick going with the Jags, TJ going with the Jags, and me and Big Webber are going with the Titans. We're split 50-50. You know, I said I said, as soon as Luck retired, I liked I, I like the Titans to win that division. At nine and seven, I really do. I think that they're gonna be a nine and seven right in the mix. I don't think there's gonna be a lot a heavy win total in that division because all four of the teams really are pretty close. So I think nine and seven probably does it. If you can get 10 wins, that certainly will do it. I don't see 11 and five, 12 and four coming out of the AFC South. So I'm gonna stick with with my preseason pick. I think the uh, Tennessee Titans who kind of blew one, at home against the Colts, this is a huge game for them. You lost in the division last week. You gotta get a win here. At home against the Jags, this is huge. You're on Thursday Night Football. They're on a short week with a lot of dysfunction because of this Ramsey BS. This is a big week for Mike Vrabel in the, in this team. Uh, I I really do think that they have great personnel. Uh, on both sides of the ball really in my opinion I think they're about a quarterback away I think Marty Oda kind of sucks and he may be looking for a job next year it'll depend on how the season goes because if they win the division like I think uh they may not be able to move on from him but but we'll see they also made the playoffs with Mike Mullarkey and fired him and won a playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium that year and still fired him so uh that that organization has some brass balls now, <laughs> and I I like the way that they're run, man. I think that they're a good franchise. I think they're going to come out and contain Gardner Minshew, a backup starting quarterback, as fun as he is to watch. I I do like the Titans and their personnel a little bit better in that one. So me and Big Web are going with the with the home dogs. The home well, I guess they're not dogs. I think they're actually favored by a couple points. But uh, going with the Tennessee Titans, tighten up, baby. Have a good weekend. Let's go. NFL Sunday, week three.